Hey everybody, welcome to episode 56 of the Metal Detecting Show podcast. My name is Kieran, and I have been metal detecting now for nearly 30 years. This week, I want to talk to you about my top 5 hacks for metal detecting and why they are important in helping you be successful in the hobby. Hey everybody, before we start, I want to thank you for listening to the podcast and I hope you enjoy the episode this week. If you want to support the show, there are many options available from the links in the episode show notes below. And if you want to interact with me and the show, that information is in there too. But most importantly, if you like this content, please don't hesitate to tell your friends and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to this week's episode. Before we get into it, I want to remind everyone to enter the big giveaway for an Equinox 600 plus some goodies. The links are in the show notes below. We are entering the end game here with the winner being announced next Saturday, the 24th of April. So make sure you get in there, validate your email addresses and promote the podcast. Thanks very much. So on to my adventures in metal detecting this week. I actually didn't get out this week. We decided to go on a hunt of a different type to look for a newly discovered or rediscovered, I suppose, tidal swimming pool of a hotel that existed locally to me till about the 1950s. I think I mentioned it previously, or at least I meant to mention it. Anyways, this spot was the pool that attached to the local hotel that no longer exists now. But the old pool can still be accessed by climbing over 700 metres of sea rock. I'd love to say it was worth the effort. But it was only cool to see it, but I won't be going there again, not even in the capacity of metal detecting the bottom, which would be a great sight only for the fact that the pool is slap bang in the middle of an archaeological site. A Stone Age midden is situated within the cliff behind it and recorded in previous maps, so it's a no-go zone for me, I'm afraid. And I'm not sure it would yield much in the way of treasure. Plus, there's supposed to be a conger eel that lives in the pool, and I love my fingers more than I love the prospect of an old penny. I might adventure back for some mudlarking at some stage, but let's see, I'm not that optimistic. This week, prompted by a previous episode, well, from an omission in episode 54, I decided to do a list episode, and that is my top 5 hacks to help increase your hunt time, or at least increase your wins when metal detecting. Hopefully, at least one or two are new to you or will help you. So, to start at number one on the list, that would be profile switching. Long time listeners will remember the tech timeout, tech timeout, on profile switching. But for the new and uninitiated, profile switching is a technique where you switch between programs or profiles, generally between your discrimination program and all metal mode. You use this technique in two ways. Firstly, on iffy targets. So, on a good signal that audibly appears broken or intermittent, If you switch back to all metal mode, the iron portion won't be nulled out and you will hear it, giving you more information for that dig no dig choice. For me, if I'm hunting coins or silver and get an iffy signal on a high tone, I switch to all metal mode, resulting in the iron signal grunt joining the audio party telling me that the signal may be a clad coin with an iron core. Another way to use profile switching is on a signal that is present in one swing direction but non-existent in another direction when you move around it, or a signal that disappears when you dig the first clod of the hole, if you aren't suffering from halo effect. Does it exist? There will be a good chance if you switch to all metal mode that the signal will pop up again, making it easier for you to pinpoint. And number two, 
Speaking of pinpoint, I did talk about how I thought pinpoint mode worked in episode 54. While I failed to say that I wouldn't invest much time in using pinpoint mode at all, as it is quicker and more efficient to just straight up learn to pinpoint properly with just a coil and not use the pinpoint mode as a crutch. Believe it or not, the time you save from not having to switch to pinpoint mode and back again is substantial and a lot longer than using the wiggle method or the just positioning yourself 45 degrees to the initial beep method, making sure to keep location note before you move. It'll take some time to get the hang of it, but once you do, digs per hour will increase. In number three, keeping on the pinpoint trip, my third hack has to do with pinpointers. Imagine the scenario, you get a shallow signal, you pinpoint it as per hack number two, you dig your hole flipping over the clod, the shallow find is now out of the hole, but now at the bottom of the clod closest to the ground, so technically deeper than it started out, but you could have used your pinpointer to isolate the signal prior to digging anything. All you have to do is once you have isolated the signal with your expertise level pinpointing, LA.2, just take your handheld pinpointer touching the ground where you've identified the location of the find, if the find is shallow in the ground, this will further help you isolate and speed up your recovery of the find. I try to remember to do this when my detector indicates that the find is shallow, and if my handheld pinpointer doesn't detect it, I know that if my detector says it's shallow, and it's not, then it must be large iron, and sometimes this has saved me time in digging, full stop. Big trees in number four. No matter where you are, in a desert, on a beach, in a park, on a field, if there's a big old tree about, then that will be a hot spot for you to search. People are naturally attracted and seek shade under trees in the heat or shelter in the rain or for a bit of slap and tickle, governor. <laughs> Bear in mind that the tree may have been there for 100 or 150 years and could have been full size for the last 100. Point of note that in warmer climates, trees tend to be smaller. So what looks like a young tree to you in Europe may be an old tree in warmer climates. Trees have huge potential as the ground underneath is nearly always barren of grass and has never been ploughed. So there is potential for old finds near the surface, but you can take this logic further. Look for trees or landscape that is out of the ordinary, like old fruit trees potentially indicating an orchard or old beehives sticking out at the side of a field. These are places to hunt. In number five, and this one hack, I'm sure I am the only one that does this, and that is bring a chopstick along with me. Wait for it. I bring a chopstick along with me for several reasons, but the main one being that wood is softer than metal and will not damage a find. So if I'm digging a hole and my pinpointing is off slightly, or perfect for that matter, but I see the find as soon as I plop out the clog, I will use my chopstick, it's now a half chopstick, to pry out the find with the assurance I won't damage or scratch it. I cringe all the time when I'm looking at hunts online and someone inevitably finds himself in the same scenario with the find in the side of the hole and the first thing they do is attack it with the shovel or trowel. To be honest, I only use this when I see something good in the hole, but I do also use it to lightly scrape some muck off or clean the find mid-hunt. Use it to clean connectors without fear or damaging anything. I have been known to use a chopstick when gridding a site also. Never mind catching flies with them, Danielson. But they're dead handy. So, that's my top 5 hacks for metal detecting this week. But to recap there quickly. 
One, use profile switching between profiles or programs to help identify iron content. Two, do not use pinpoint mode. It costs you too much hunting time. Learn to pinpoint on the fly. Three, use your handheld pinpointer to isolate a shallow find before you dig the hole. Four, look for big trees. People love trees or look for something out of the ordinary or out of place. And finally, five, bring a chopstick, the lo-fi multi-tool. That's it for this week. I hope you liked this episode of the Metal Detecting Show podcast. Check out our website, www.themetaldetectingshow.com for this episode's show notes. Check out our Patreon if you want to help the podcast stay alive or just want to buy me a coffee. Actually, if you want to buy me a coffee, you can do so now at buymeacoffee.com metal detecting. Also, if you'd like to leave me a voicemail, please do so on speakpipe.com forward slash the metal detecting show. The link will be in the show notes. And if you feel like taking your appreciation to the next level, feel free to leave me a positive review on any podcast directory of your choice. If you like this content and would like more, please don't hesitate to tell your friends and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Once again, I hope you enjoyed this episode. We will chat to you all again next week. Get out there, eyes down and happy hunting.